0: everybody welcome to what the fuck is wrong with us i'm your host Artan and and this week i am joined by psychological thriller author st ashman how are you doing
1: i'm doing good how are you doing Arton?
0: yeah i'm okay thank you i'm okay so there'll be people watching this won't have heard of you won't have heard of your work so please tell us a little about yourself
1: yeah, so first of thanks for having me. Um, I'm so excited about this. As I told you in the pre-run, I actually almost couldn't sleep last night, and I already have people who are waiting for this. So thank you so much for for having me. I know you had actually some big guns on the show before, so thank you so much. Um, yeah, my book is called "I Kill Killers," and it's about a pretty badass woman um, who hunts and kills serial killers. So if you like dark thrillers. Yeah, go. Give it a read.
0: Uh So, yeah, this book has just been out a few weeks. But I want you to take me uh, right back in your writing journey. Like, when did all this begin for you?
1: So, actually, um, in my head, I've been working on this for actually years. Uh, I think it was after I watched Hannibal. For the X amount of time, because I'm obsessed with Hannibal Lecter, I love the show, the TV show, the movies, and I thought to myself, because I actually also I don't know if people readers know the book or the TV show, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and I absolutely love that one too. It's one of my all time favorites. Great book, go check it out if you haven't heard of it. Um, And I thought, how how cool would that be if a badass woman like from that TV show and book would be kind of a Hannibal Lecter and start hunting only serial killers um, and then and people can believe me now or not I ran to my husband and I was like I think I have a good idea and I started telling super excited you know going into details that were totally unnecessary that came up in my head and then he was like oh you're like Dexter right I was like who's Dexter So people can believe me or not, I had no idea that there was a show called Dexter. Then I started looking it up and I was like, of course, of course there's Dexter. And of course it was a big hit. And of course it's Simula. But then I started talking to my husband and also started thinking, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter that Dexter's already out there because people really liked it. So... I was like, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just keep using the wheel. It's good. You know, it's rolling. People liked it. And nobody has really done the wheel in a long time with something like Dexter. So I was like, yeah, that's, it's all good. Still going for it. And I actually refused to watch the show while I was writing on the book Mm -hmm. because I didn't subconsciously want it to be influenced. You know how you sometimes, I know you're a writer too, Arton, you know how you sometimes subconsciously work something into your work. And you don't even realize that you're doing that because you liked it mm-hmm. from somewhere. And um, not like in, in a stealing way, well, but it just influenced you so much that it stuck with you and you're kind of reusing it. And then later you realize you did that. So I, I stayed away from Dexter until the story of book one was completely finished. And then I, I, I dove into Dexter and absolutely loved it. But uh, yeah, Hannibal. Um, it was Hannibal and Lisbeth from The Girl. With the dragon tattoo, that kind of got me the idea for *I Kill Killers*.
0: So you're you're a woman of fine taste. I've got to ask you: *Hannibal* the movie or *Hannibal* the series? Which do you prefer?
1: Both. Both. Oh, which, okay. no preference. Sure. Yes. Ooh, why are you doing this to me? Um. Well, you have to admit that as a woman, the TV show's actor is a little more of an eye candy. <laughs> uh
0: huh.
1: But um, I mean. Come on, Hopkins as an actor for Hannibal actor That was just, I mean, yeah, no, gosh, I don't know. I I don't, I I can't, I can't, I can't. I mean,
0: uh, I'm still, I'm still wounded that they canceled it after three seasons. And I know there's some big online campaign. There are people who still live in hope that they might end up coming back to it at some point, because I think there was some sort of rights issue they were planning to do the sort of Silence of the Lambs story, but the rights belonged oh. to a different party, so they couldn't do it. And I think it was the interruption that ended up sort of killing the show. Um, I had no idea. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you never know. We might get some more Mad Mickelson at serious. some point in the future, as as Hannibal, maybe, maybe.
1: We need to. I I was I was upset. I was especially how it ended. It was like yeah. the three seasons, and I'm not, of course, no spoilers. But the three yeah, seasons, it's like, it led up to this moment, and now we needed to know what's going to happen. And then it never continued. It's like, it was terrible. Yeah, so if, if they make a new season, it's like my Christmas wishes of 10 years combined became true. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, that, some uh, some good things get cut. I mean, again, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the uh, David Fincher remake, the American remake, I thought was absolutely excellent, and I was really looking forward to a trilogy down that line, and it just didn't didn't come to be, which is a real shame. But
1: it is. I think it's. Um, I don't know if Hollywood so much as the book world. I think once they tap on a well that does extremely well, um, they kind of started all given all power toward that direction i think they and it wasn't w- maybe also with the girl with the dragon tattoo that it wasn't quite the top of the top i mean it has a huge fan base and it was really successful but it wasn't games of thrones um it never hit that hard so i think sometimes maybe in tv or more so in a book industry world if something else hits really hard everybody's just like Storm in that way, and it, it's a shame because, yeah. um, it, please make a season four of, of Hannibal. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. begging you, whoever it is,
0: <laughs> yeah, whoever it is, if you're listening, get it made. Um, so <laughs> I'm ge- I'm guessing the, the this sort of idea that came to you, for this sort of combination of Hannibal, and I, I know you didn't know about Dexter at the time, and I'm completely in the same boat as you with regards to not watching stuff that I know um, may have some sort of similarity to what I'm writing at the time. Like, I have to stay so far away from it, I don't want to oh. see it until years after I'm done.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, when when did that process start? And... Before that, what's your history with writing as well?
1: So actually, um, none whatsoever. I I guess I've always been kind of a kid that was stuck in like um, an imaginary world in her head, always making stories up. And it got me in trouble in school quite a bit. <laughs> um, but I was actually, I was a psychotherapist before I started writing. And um, so we've actually, my husband and I, we've tried for years to get to get a baby and it didn't work we were really trying very hard and so when it actually finally did happen after so many years of trying and i was a therapist i mean i was working dark stuff like really dark stuff i i, I didn't just do marriage counseling and some private practice i was working community mental health i was working with pedophiles and it was at the time when i was getting pregnant that actually the fbi has been so happy about me seeing pedophiles because nobody really wants to take him on. And I couldn't really say no because of what I worked. You weren't allowed to choose clients. If somebody comes and need help, you need to help them, which is a good thing because somebody's got to do it right. Just imagine Mm. this world, what it would be if there would be no help whatsoever because nobody wants to work with the darkest of the dark. But then this FBI guy who was like in charge of freshly released repeat offenders he was so happy and he was like oh man I have like this long list of pedophiles I'm gonna send him your way and I was like just getting pregnant after years of trying and here I was sitting listening to all of this with my client and I was suddenly it struck me I was like people say the baby is listening too <laughs> you know and then I and you said dark is okay, Arton. So we yeah, talked about that,
0: That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for.
1: And it struck me. And of course the baby doesn't understand the words, but just this energy and this heavy energy in this room that I was sitting with the man in front of me. And I talked to my husband and luckily we we're not rich, but we were financially in a position where he was like, yeah, quit. You know, don't do it anymore. <laughs> just until the baby is born, just don't do it. Tell them you're taking a long break or quit or do whatever. He was like, yeah, I don't want my child actually listening to this every day, especially now that they want to send more and more your way because nobody's really working in that field. Um, So yeah, that's, and then I had to do something, right? And I was sitting on the couch, I was pregnant. I kind of used my pregnant belly as like a a MacBook kind of (laughs) table. And I start writing um, completely different like some historical romance that was my first book and uh yeah that's how i got into it i i love them i have to admit i know this is a dark channel and i love darkness and but i also love historical romance that's my second Uh big love but i don't think i'm so good at writing it because my heart is kind of with the darkness um and i think readers they know i think they know it's not i wouldn't call it bad but i think readers when they pick up their a book they know if the author really loves what they're doing or not. And Uh I love reading historical romance and romance. I love romance books. I love reading it. I could eat one of those sons of fathers a day. Really, Arton. I could read so many of them, but I don't think I'm that good at writing them, to be honest with you. I think darkness is where it's at. But yeah, that's how I got into writing. I kind of fled the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) If you um yeah that's how i got into it I, I i came from the darkness and went to a different darkness i guess
0: well coming from a coming from a background in psychotherapy uh seems to be it seems to be a very good breeding ground for people writing psychological thrillers i believe uh, Frieda mcfadden's a big name in the field I, I believe that she may have came from could be making I that she, up. i could be mixing her up with somebody I think else she's
1: but a doctor I, I, yeah, she's a surgeon or right. uh, something like she oh, right. She comes from the medical field, yeah, but um, she's yeah, definitely...
0: I think yeah, I think, I think there are a few people who've came from sort of psychology and psychiatry um, and brought a very, very real um, sort of mental darkness vibe to their writing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I completely yeah. respect your uh, decision to run away from the field. And yes. to put it to good use somewhere to put your experience to good use somewhere else. So yeah, I, I applaud you.
1: I hope that didn't get too dark. I mean it's the honest truth. No, no. I and I it was kind of sad too because I worked with a lot of people and like on the back of my book you can and it's the God honest truth as well, is that working in the field, I I kinda gotta look at the most shadowed part of the human hearts and minds, but also the most beautiful. I saw people turn their lives around after so many years of struggling, of hurting others, of mostly hurting themselves. And so it's completely inspirational. And it was a little sad of walking away from that because those are really the stories that kind of stick with you for the rest of your for the rest of my life. I guess I can only speak for myself. But there was some really amazing. Um, that it was just also really good. It wasn't just, I'm walking away and thank God it was, I also kind of felt like a little bit given up on something really important. Um, so it wasn't all cheerful and happy, but overall I made the decision that the direction I was going was just not where I wanted to go anymore as a mother. And it was mm-hmm. also always the the opportunity of opening up a private practice and then I can choose my clients. Then I can more mm-hmm. work with people who struggle with depression or struggle with their children, or struggle um, in a marriage. And and that would be something I'm I'm game for right now. Let's do it. But uh, what I kind of walked away from in that moment, is just wasn't for me anymore at at that moment Mm -hmm. in time. And it also wasn't safe. Um, I know one of your questions, I'm kind of jumping maybe a little bit ahead, but um, there were times that uh, actually my life was kind of in danger. So it wasn't necessarily safe for where I was at in community mental health, um, working with people who nobody else wants to work with. As a pregnant woman, especially, we tried so long, and I just did not want to risk it.
0: No, no, I completely understand that. You must have ended up in some pretty sketchy situations. And I guess it's difficult if you have that inbuilt desire to help people, because you believe that people can redeem themselves, turn their lives around. But some people don't right so you're you're putting yourself in that position offering a helping hand to somebody and some people will take it but you never know which of those are going to try and sort of pull you in with them so yeah i can completely like i said i can completely understand why you'd want away from that and those experiences i mean i was joking before that you can sort of bring them with you but also the um the more pleasant side of those experiences even even in these dark stories that we tell, we do from time to time show the glimmers of light. so you can still sort of have your say on people's ability to change, but in a different medium now, I guess. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true, and I I haven't closed that door entirely um, that I I guess in the back of my mind, I want to open that door at some point again and do a private practice, something a little tamer. Uh, yeah, it, it's there's some there's some wild stuff that went down when when you work in that field. And I mean, I I, I can tell you stories of I've, of like it's just wow, yeah. I was evacuated more than three times out of a building. Once we had an active shooter. Once with a bomb. One. I mean, this is all true. I'm not making this up. It's just it was not. It's not a very, if you work community mental health, it's not a very safe um, place to work at. And of course, we're talking about a few people, 99% of the people you work with, there are just struggling and they're amazing. And especially with schizophrenia, there's this broad belief that they hear voices and they're going to go out and hurt people. 99% of people of schizophrenia don't hurt a soul. They they really don't. It's It's just a stigma that's attached to mental health. And they are just really struggling. They're trying to find their way in life and trying to be live a normal life. They, you know, they're not these crazy psychos. medias trying to make them out to be, or people are trying to make them out to be. So it's it's not that every day is like when I went to work. Oh, today might be the day I'm gonna die, kind of. But yeah, in the few years that I worked in this field there've been several instances where it was pretty scary i don't know it was mm. pretty pretty scary very scary so and i guess if if somebody's listening to this who is a social worker a psychotherapist and is working community mental health or is is working level 4 which is inpatient that's the highest level you you can do right now um yeah thank you thank you for what you're doing what you're doing is amazing especially for the pennies that you're getting paid for doing this thank you for for being there because without you this country or this world would go down like down Mm -hmm. bad bad down so if anybody's listening who's a therapist a social worker who's working these jobs that nobody wants to work getting paid less than you would get at a register somewhere these days amazing thank you so much oh yeah Mm -hmm.
0: Well said. Um, so, getting back to getting back to writing, writing fiction, um, writing dark fiction. <laughs> Obviously, you've came out of a career like that, and you've <laughs> you've sort of ran out into the light for a little while, and then went plunging back into the darkness with the book that you've written. So, I wanted to ask a, a sort of broad question about why. Why you think you like dark stuff and why you think people in general like dark stuff?
1: That's a really good question. I've actually asked myself that many times because, you know, when you tell people back then what I used to do, they always want to hear about the dark and bad stories. They don't kind of want to hear so much about the stories of how the couple made it and how they're still together. And they want to hear about first questions. I was like, what's the worst that ever happened to you? You know, and uh-huh. I think, uh, and I'm the same way. If I meet a police officer or a firefighter, I'm like, "Ooh, tell me about the craziest story." I'm not like about tell me about when you saved the puppy. You know, and I think is that a lot of people we're kind of fascinated with the dark side of the mind because not even so much because we enjoy people suffering or it has nothing to do with at least not with me and at least not with. It's not about that for most of my readers, I know, because with a lot of them I started actually talking, chatting in my Facebook group, etc. I think it's more so fascination with why we are capable of doing these things and kind of trying to figure out why, looking at it and just, yeah, as I said, being really fascinated with it, that we are actually capable of these dark things, to do, it, to do them to other people. And for me at least, and I know for some people, it's, it's kind of a fascination with it. That we're trying to kind of almost solve, like, what's going on with that? Not as in a, Uh um, oh, I'm enjoying this so much, people getting hurt. Not at all. Like, I don't know anybody who enjoys other people getting hurt. And that's why he's watching Dharma. It's more like this fascination with, how can you do this? Like, how you, as a human being, can you do this? And kind of let's dive into it. Like, what's going on in his mind? It's more like, I think... Yeah, fascination, at least for me. I don't know what about you, Arton? Like why why do you think you um said fascination as well or um...
0: I think it's I think it's many things. What you're talking about, sort of almost seeing people that are made of the same flesh and blood as us that act so 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 differently. Yeah. I think whether yeah. that's uh, in a dark way or whether there's a, yeah. you know, whether you see a musician who's a- almost got supernatural abilities or a, yeah. or an athlete, yeah. it's just somebody operating at an extreme. Um, yeah. I think there's just generally a fascination with that stuff across yeah. the board. And I don't know, I don't know if that fascination stems from us especially because, uh, like, let's say a musician or an athlete or somebody like that, we watch, them, we watch them operating at that level. And I guess there's a part of us that maybe wishes that we could do those things. Yeah. I, I don't imagine that that's the case with, you know, the, the serial killers and the, and the psychopaths no. and whatever else that we look at. Yeah. So I wonder if we are, as you said, I think the word that you used was we're trying to solve it. And I wonder if we are trying to sort of take lessons from what we're seeing in them um, and then maybe apply them to much smaller instances of it in our own lives. Because we we do come across people, you know, not many of us are coming across uh, serial killers, but we come across people, bad actors, and maybe we think that in learning that lesson from the extreme, we can you know, somehow make our life better in dealing with, you know, people who maybe aren't as nice as we would like them to be. So I don't know, maybe there's an element of that, along with many other things.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And the field definitely needs um, more looking into sociopaths and psychopaths, because I do believe from when I worked in it, that not enough work has been done as to truly understand what's, what's going on there if you and it's a really a, a hot topic sometimes my prologue of the book um because the prologue actually goes the book itself goes canon to moral ambiguity like good evil and supposed to um play with the idea of how dark should we we go to erase darkness but um so in the beginning of the book it's a. Uh, It's that character, Leah, who has um, problems feeling any emotions. But then as a young child, um, when she stumbles across uh, books about the national socialism in Germany, she realizes that a monster, even a monster like Hitler, felt some sort of empathy towards animals. And people could even call it love. So it's a very tough thing actually to write about. And it's a very challenging thing to even put in words because the first thing a lot of people it ha- luckily this hasn't happened at all because people get the right message i'm actually i'm married to a man who's from uh, who's not from israel but he's jewish so my kids actually went to the jewish temple so there's none of that i i mean no you really have to do the disclaimer everybody wants Hitler to rot in hell and stay there uh-huh. and serve. So many lifetimes of pain and suffering in hell. And I shouldn't say it this way, but I think a lot of people deep down are okay with that. <laughs> but so it's actually to get back to the field of psychology. There is this, and it's actually pretty dangerous that we just, when we look at serial killers, like he was a serial killer in some ways, and just say he's a complete crazy, which he is, but then disregard this aspect of that. He was able to completely pick apart and feel some love and empathy for something which was animals he was crazy about animals he implemented the first welfare laws for animals in the world he was a vegetarian he loved his dogs my god he banned hunting rights free hunting rights so how is this possible that a monster like him feels love for an animal because in the field and the Fields of therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists are actually now parting with the one crowd being like, How dare you make this example? Rightfully so. But then there's also the crowd who says, like, if we don't like subjectively objectively look at this and study it how it is, it's kind of dangerous. Because if we can really take a serial killer and see how they detach themselves from the pain of people, of human beings, and feel nothing when they do these things to families, destroying them, destroying, I mean, if we just say, well, you know, whatever, he can't feel anything, he's a monster, let's just, then it's kind of dangerous because we should, I feel like, analyze every aspect of a serial killer. And one of the aspects is that some of them have positive feelings towards something, even if it's not humans. Mm -hmm. Take Ted Bundy. That guy loved his dogs, Arton. Did you know that? Ted Bundy loved dogs. He had dogs. So did Gacy, the killer clown. He he actually he had a dog and I forgot the name. I wanted to write it down. And he had a dog throughout childhood, which his father was a terrible alcoholic, very violent. He killed the dog. And um so Gacy actually stole flowers when he did a little funeral for his dog and he buried the dog and it was very traumatic for him because he loved that dog so much. So we kind of have to Mm -hmm. look at all these aspects. For me, this is a therapist speaking, working with people who have killed people. When I'm in that room, I can't sit there and say, you are a monster. I have to sit there. This person might still be, but I have to sit there, take my emotions out of this and look at it like, Why did you do this? And is there anything in you that we can use to make you stop hurting people? I'm not talking about Mm -hmm. reforming. They are so past reform. There is no reform. If you are a serial killer or, but is there anything we can do to make you stop, you know, to maybe find out why you're doing what you're doing and find out why you're able to do this to people, but then kind of like animals, which also... Again, I'm sorry I went too deep into it, but there's the professional Uh communities kind of splitting with one of them saying, don't you dare say that these really, really bad people have any sort of love in their heart. And then there's the professional community that I'm kind of belonging to that says, yeah, they're monsters and nobody's disagreeing with that. But should we not look at this and try to study as, as much as we can as to why they can feel something toward us animals? for example, and can we tap into that to maybe make them not love people, of course, and then stop killing. Just it's not that easy, but maybe at least can they maybe tap into that and make them steer away from all the evil they're doing. Or I mean, I don't know yet. It hasn't quite been studied that much, and I, I wish I would be one of these researchers, but I don't know what what's your opinion on that. And I know I went very deep and very dark and um but what's what's your thought on on all of that?
0: Well, I I understand your interest in the distinction. You know, it, it's interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, I've read in I read in your book the prologue, so I I knew about Hitler liking dogs. Um, to understand the pathologies and the mechanisms, if you're looking at reforming someone, is important. But I guess most people aren't in the business of trying to reform somebody so they can yeah, just stand in judgment absolutely. because they don't have any, they don't have skin in that game. They don't have a, a dog in that fight for, uh, for well, th- there's a so pun you, there you can't
1: even put it in words, right? It's so even just, but hey, that's why I wrote a book about a person killing bad guys because I understand mm-hmm. the people who don't feel sympathy. <laughs> I guess yeah, maybe... Yeah, yeah looking at it now and talking i think maybe all these years that i was forced to show sympathy and forced to take my emotions out of that room treating people with and i was working with people who did some really really messed up stuff and i i i think maybe that kind of built up to was like oh, i actually kind of just want to say to that person sometimes you know what you know that's sick that's really what you did is really sick and I don't care about understanding you today i just want to leave but i couldn't yeah. so maybe that's why it all kind of came to this <laughs> that's the real reason why this book was written because um yeah i know i have i have so much respect for for people who work in the field with the the sickest individuals of the society like serial killers because they're real and people actually there are Psychiatrists and psychologists who are working with them as we do in this podcast. And I have so much respect that they're able to sit in that room and listen to these horror stories and stay calm and ask the questions that are needed to be asked to try to stop what they're doing, not only with that person, but maybe identify someone young. And that's why it's so important that we need to ask these questions, maybe not to show sympathy for for the people already down the drain but maybe to identify it in younger individuals and prevent it yeah, yeah. i guess that is maybe yeah. why it would be really important to not at least again i'm team of of we need to look at this why they're able to feel sympathy and love for an animal for example not always there is also of course the person who tortures the animals when they're young and killing animals That's how it starts out but that's just not how it all is it's to say every serial killer killed animals and it's just that's not true some serial Mm -hmm. killers love animals and i feel like Mm -hmm. we have to look at that why is that and then maybe prevent maybe we can prevent younger individuals who are falling into that path if we understand them better maybe we can prevent them from going down this dark path
0: Mm -hmm. so you come out of this you've written something quite bleak in a way um is there anything is there anything for your taste that's too dark
1: yeah especially having, um,
0: having come from that in real life is there just stuff where you're like no do you know what like i don't want to read that book i don't want to watch that film i'm turning that off
1: yeah you know please don't laugh animal cruelty okay and child abuse i yeah. Cannot do it. Like if I see it in a movie, I literally close my eyes or shut my eyes and I can't if I see animals tortured or read about animals tortured or if I um with the same with children, when I became a before I became a mom, everything was fair game. Um I was like, Yeah, whatever. Oh well terrible. And I could kinda I was like dead inside I could watch anything. I was dead inside. <laughs> Nothing triggered me. But um I mean not dead inside, but you know what I'm saying. But I uh, was yeah, yeah. once I'm a mom, I can't do it. Like when I see children mm. tortured or killed or animals, it's just I'm still sitting through I don't turn the T V off because it still could be a good show, a good movie. Or I don't put the book away and like, yeah, no, give it a one star which I actually never do. I don't give people one stars ever, even if I feel like it was one. But um I uh I, I just can't I, I I can't do it. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> pretty I, weak. I, I understand. Whoa. There's just sorry. What was that?
1: I said pretty weak sauce. I know for someone who writes a book about a woman killing serial killers and one of them in yeah, a very brutal. The, the,
0: <laughs> it's not she. She's not harming innocent people. And I mean, people see kids and animals as the most innocent, right? That's yeah. So I think that's a very big difference. I know there's just been a, a dramatisation for four-episode thing in the UK. Have you heard of this, um, this guy, Jimmy Savile? Have you heard?
1: No, 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 no.
0: So he was extremely famous in the UK. He died, I don't know, maybe about five years ago. He was a big TV personality for 50-odd years. He got knighted, so he was Sir Jimmy Savile. Um, no, um... And basically, it, it came out after he died, and there's been suspicions through his life, but it came out after he died that he's basically um, uh, probably the most prolific um, child abuser in, well, po- it, <laughs> possibly in British history. Um, yeah, yeah. they've just done a, a four-part thing for the BBC, which was extremely well done. Um, yeah, that's some that's some pretty grim stuff. Like they obviously don't they don't show you anything, but even the, the point up to which they go and they do it very skillfully, you just sort of sat there like, oh yeah, it's very, very difficult to to watch. And I mean obviously people don't want to be seeing that stuff, but uh yeah, to to have those triggers I think is perfectly normal, especially for a mother
1: um yeah no it's wow i I gotta watch that i mean obviously as we talked earlier this dark stuff about trying to find motives and understand why they tick a certain way i mean sometimes you also just gotta say who cares you know just solve uh, the problem with serial kills just keep them out of society of course but again to prevent something in the future which um for example with pedophiles so in germany they have something called i think it's called black sheep And it's an anonymous phone line. And I don't know if it's still around. I heard about it a few years ago when I was working with pedophiles because I had to do a lot of research, of course. It wasn't my expertise. I wasn't a specialist when I started working with them. but I had to get one real quick. So I did a lot of research, a lot of um, educating myself. And then I stumbled across this phone line. I think it's called Black Sheep. And I don't know if it's still out there, but it was for pedophiles. Where they could call anonymously when they had the urge so they wouldn't get hunted down and and of course we need i think we need something like that something where the people the sickest of society when they're about to strike some outlet where they can maybe call and talk about it to prevent them from doing something bad you know because at this yeah so i was to go back to that UK guy I feel like more needs to be done for the darkest of the dark of the society not as in helping but to prevent them from doing what they're doing so more needs to be offered more um, I don't want to say assistance because it sounds like assisting them and helping them not in helping them but to stop them you know I feel like
0: are difficult cases to make, aren't they? Because, like you say, as soon as you say it, some people will straight away say, "Well, there are, there are so many other people in need and whatever else." But, like you say, you're coming at it not from a sympathetic standpoint, but no, from a no. preventing harm to others standpoint. But yeah, the the tough, tough cases to make.
1: A hundred percent. Same with the um, prologue of my book, where Hitler was mentioned um, with his love for animals and. So far, I'm so lucky nobody has understood it the wrong way because it's written so clearly where it's not a sympathy for uh-huh. this man. Again, my husband is Jewish. My kids went to the Jewish temple um, for schooling. So no, I hate this guy so much. But it's more so as to how can we prevent this from happening? We need to, under- yeah, this is maybe a good way to put it. You need to understand your enemy sometimes in order to stop him. If you don't know anything about your enemy, mm-hmm. how can you fight them fair and square? You know, you yeah. can't, cause you kind of like don't know anything about them. And if you don't know anything about the person you're trying to beat, you're trying to battle, you're trying to fight, they're always going to be a step ahead of you because you don't know anything about them, mm-hmm. you know? So it's more so not as in a sympathetic way. Cause how could you have sympathy for that? How, like, how could you have sympathy for men? Like do you, does you, what was the UK guy's name again? that you talked about earlier? Jimmy the uh,
0: the, the, yeah. the BBC show is called The Reckoning.
1: Yeah. The Reckoning. Yeah. How could you have sympathy? You can't. Like you Absolutely. I can't. Um, I feel okay with stating that, that I can't. Oh, for Hitler, how can you have sympathy for him unless you have mental health struggles that need to be addressed? If you have sympathies mm-hmm. for Hitler, you need to see mental health. You really do. Because you're struggling on some level that needs to be resolved to resolve this hatred and anger toward any group of people. It's yeah, but um, just to understand what's making them tick and um, to prevent it, to kind of beat them, you know, to, to win the fight. Let's put it this way, to win the fight. And I was lucky so far nobody misread my book and I knew doing it is would could be controversial. But then on the other hand, Ashman does not stand for the typical thriller <laughs> Uh, and as was clear, the, if people read my blurb, they know St. Ashman stands for, it's a little, yeah, audacity a little bit, like for trying mm-hmm. something different, doing something different, um, not in a bad way. But uh, my none of my books that going to come out under S.T. Ashman are ever just going to be the usual thriller um, that is heavily relationship-based with a small murder that needs to be sol- solved. None of my books will ever and I'm not saying that those books are boring or not good. My God, I I love Frida's books. They're absolutely incredible. Um, So I, I don't say they're they're bad at all. Like I love them. I'm just saying, I want to do something different for the readers out there who, who crave something different. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I think 99% of people who who read your book, I I don't think there's really any ambiguity about what's going on at the start. Um, but I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure over time, if enough people read <laughs> you will get you will get one or two. There are always a few, as you know. the The extremes in our society oh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, they I will always helped. find these yeah. things and say completely the opposite to what everyone else is saying. So, yeah that that will happen at some point.
1: We <laughs> yeah, really had one of those, not with like the the Hitler thing, because it's so clear. I mean, it's so clear. If you read the book, it's just. Um, It's not even in any... It's so clear what it is. And people actually really, they're fascinated by it now, which is good because people need to ask questions about how dark can we go to stop darkness? So it's actually... And that made me so happy when I read the reviews of Eichel Killers to see um, the readers really, they got the point of what I was trying to write. Nobody misunderstood Uh it so far. And you're right, there will be somebody who misunderstands it. I, I had somebody who... I mean, you know, there's always that, that one person who's like coming out of nowhere and is completely unrelated to anything. And it's like, what, woo, you know, and it feels like I'm a therapist again, almost, <laughs> but that, that just comes with, yeah. But overall, it's just amazing to see that the readers completely understood that this book is about to challenge, to challenge the question of, um, the dark mind and how dark can, or can't we go when it, to stop darkness so it was really beautiful to see that readers got this message because that's what I was kind of set out to do so that that to me meant so much it, it really meant so much to me
0: oh great great so you've obviously written a, an intriguing character in the the person that your book is based around I want to ask you about other characters from your sort of reading and watching experience. So we play a little game here. um, Yeah. And I need you to tell me three of your favorite dark characters. We need them to play the game.
1: Okay. So the the first, I'm a little scary to admit, but Thanos from the Marvel Universe. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Because he actually had kind of good intentions i guess if you really (laughs) look at it and again here i'm so scared saying this because somebody will misunderstand the way it says like oh my god listen to s.t ashman she's saying someone who destroys half of the universe has good intentions is not what i'm saying but i was just saying he comes off kind of like a dude who was worried about overpopulation (laughs) which which could be a problem Uh, in the future he could be a member of greenpeace Exactly, he's like s- stopping global warming and the whole universe, not just our planet. I'm sure some alien planets had problems with global warming, too, if you believe in it or not, I don't know. I don't wanna get political, but um, so I was like watching watching the you know um the Avengers, and I was like, yeah, he actually kind of just tried to save <laughs> the universe. <laughs> he did it the wrong way. I think we can agree on that. Like killing half of everybody alive is probably the wrong way to go about it. So he, but he, I think he just kind of tried to make a difference, I guess.
0: So Thanos, <laughs> Thanos, okay. Who else? Yeah. Who else we got? I
1: know, but I, I'm not pro Thanos. I'm just saying he. You kind of- are
0: <laughs> you you stay in your positions very clearly here. So we've got you're you're not you're not pro Hitler. You're not pro Thanos. No, no. It's okay. I think everyone at home we can we 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 know these things.
1: Arjun and I are not pro Hitler and Thanos. Everybody, please listen to the whole podcast. We hate them. Um, all right, then I actually yes, I wrote that down. Um, the Joker, the Joker. Okay. I, I really like the joker it's because not because he was crazy and i know crazy is a bad word to say but i think when you talk about the joker you can word, use the word crazy actually my whole family is crazy my kids are crazy i'm crazy my husband's crazy and you know what for us it's a good thing and i'm not discrediting people who are struggling with with mental health and no but the, yeah i love the joker because he was so crazy and he was so genius and um I just think is
0: there a is there a particular incarnation of the Joker that you're speaking about? Are we talking about Heath Ledger? Are we talking about the comic book one? Are we talking about Joaquin Phoenix? Because they're they're quite I mean, different. Jared Leto was a very different Joker.
1: Yes, yeah, and then you had was it Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack Nicholson. And I mean, all of them. Um, I mean, Heath Ledger was absolutely brilliant, and because it almost pains me to watch it with him though knowing what happened to him you know it's just almost to me makes it like i almost i can't even watch it because it's so saddening he was so amazing in the role and but so was jack yeah i mean no i i think maybe that's one of the reasons why i like the character so much is because every time an actor touched the role it was incredible to me and Mm -hmm. some people might not Mm -hmm. like one the one of the actors or both of them but i thought both times it was absolutely incredible, and I was so mm-hmm. taken by the role and so into the character. Um, so yeah, okay. the Joker, um, Thanos, the Joker, um, and then one is actually, uh, I don't know, have you ever heard of um, Elizabeth um, Bathory, the most no? notorious serial killers of all time? People don't know about her, but she's actually. She killed more people than the most famous serial killers combined. She was um, this really rich and powerful Hungarian noblewoman in 1500-something. Uh-huh. Um, please don't hold me down to these numbers. 1586, something like that, I think. And she actually is the inspiration for every vampire story, um, before Dracula even, I think. Uh, so supposed to because again there are two teams one historian team says oh it's all true she was terrible and then there's this one team now emerging saying oh they might have just framed her but supposedly she killed tortured hundreds and hundreds of young girls and women she bathed in their blood she drank their blood to stay young and beautiful forever um and so, but then there's also now this group, and she's a real character. Like, she's a historical figure. She's not a, a fictional character. She really existed. Mm-hmm. And But then there's also another emerging group of historians that said, because she was so rich and powerful, even the Hungarian king owed her a lot of money, that they tried to get rid of her. Because she was a woman, and everybody pretty much <laughs> was in debt to her. <laughs> So they needed a way to get rid of her so some are now saying that none of this is true she never killed all these women but then a bigger group of historians says it is true because there's just so much evidence and testimony um from young girls going missing and because it wasn't a time where when you were rich and powerful and of nobility that you could actually get away with this kind of almost in the open it happened for a long time it wasn't like these mm-hmm. days if, when a woman or girl man's missing in a neighborhood and there are rumors that someone is, you know, doing terrible things to her, I mean, the cops are coming right away, you know, but back then, so yeah. And I'm fascinated with the story because it's a lot of people don't know about it. And it's not like I'm rooting for her, but I'm just fascinated with her. And I want to know if she was just really that sick and did all of this, thinking that bathing in the blood of women young girls and drinking their blood and here we go that's kind of where the whole vampire thing was actually first created in history um is is that true or i guess that's that's the kind of research for me again or was she really just framed because she was really rich and powerful and unfortunately a woman back then so yeah Mm -hmm. i guess that's my third one is elizabeth Thorian?
0: I feel like there's a good film in that that hasn't been made, but anywhere.
1: Well, why not? And it's almost like if you're a writer, I mean, go grab her. She's not on my list right now. I've been toying with the idea of writing a fiction novel about it because like, right. how can this not be more known? It's so, mm. I mean, and it's so old too. It's like, that's probably what people now think. Some are starting to think vampires. The idea came from, because she was the first known source to actually documented drinking blood of other people, to live longer. So here you go. You make the dots, right? Um, you connect the dots. I mean, but um, if you're a writer, go for it. I have other projects that uh, I toyed with the idea, but then it's, it's a very difficult project to take on to really, mm. I mean, where are you going to go with this as a writer? Are you going to make it where in the end, she's all framed and she's just a human being? Or are you going to go paranormal? and I'm right now right now I don't want to go down the paranormal path um which I love reading about and watching in movies but it's just not my my path right now um so yeah go mm-hmm. ahead take her and please write a great book that will become a great show
0: <laughs> it's a it's a shame with your love of historical fiction and your love of dark stuff like it seems but yeah I I understand there are some projects that just aren't for aren't for here and now so you've got Thanos the Joker and Elizabeth yeah Yes, Elizabeth so the
1: probably game, favorite one.
0: <laughs> your fa- fa- favorite? In inverted commas, everyone, in inverted commas. Um, so, yeah, not as got,
1: a favorite, favorite, but she's just so interesting. I, I mean, yeah. Somebody please so write the, a book about it, a good one. <laughs>
0: the, the game that we play, and I'm sure you have a similar game where you're from. So in the UK, we have a game called Snog Marry Avoid. I've sort of twisted that for this podcast, and we call it Stalk, Bury, Destroy. So, I want you to pick one of those characters who you would stalk because you would just be fascinated to see how they go about their evil ways. Um, you've got one character who you bury because they, they need to go, they're evil, but They might have some redeeming qualities. We were speaking about people's multidimensional aspects before. So maybe they deserve some sort of respect. They have a funeral where people can come and mourn their their passing. And then we've got Destroy, where the person is so, so evil that they would be completely obliterated, dismembered, disintegrated, vaporized, whatever you would want to do to them. Um, So... With your three characters, which of those would you stalk?
1: Well, I, I can't do that with a famous movie actor, so I guess the Joker's off the table. Everybody would turn oh, against... Oh, no, him. you can, so why you can treat you them... Jack Nicholson? You can... Oh, my God. Everybody loves him. And I do, too. Um,
0: well, we're I talking about was... the character rather than Jack Nicholson himself, so... Okay. Yeah, we'll...
1: Jack Nicholson, this was not a threat. I'm not coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> um okay well i guess oh my gosh this is a fun game ah. Oh my goodness i guess i guess um Elizabeth
0: You would stalk That's Elizabeth it.
1: yeah Yeah i think cuz i'm just so i'm so fascinated by her cuz she was a mm-hmm. real character you know Thanos and the Joker they they're not real they were created complete fiction of course also unrealistic parts of thanos of course i mean come on he's flying through the universe and there's some purple big guy who has like magic stones in his wrist fan at some point or whatever um and then yeah i mean the joker of course he wasn't real but she was real like this woman lived so i stalk her and I would want. Well, I, guess, to I guess you
0: would want to know. Yeah, you would want to know if she's actually done these things or not.
1: Exactly, and I want to get you know some not inspiration, but like you know, write down some. I mean, the whole vampire thing might have come from this woman. Could you imagine hmm. the world now without vampires, Martin?
0: And all it took was for one mass murderer to bathe in <laughs> the blood of thousands.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> a small then price guess- to pay. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and then I would, if of course, if she's really doing it, I'll destroy her. You know, I'll, I don't know if I have it in me to kill some, but if I would see all the young girls, yeah, I think I, I, I think I could destroy her. I think I could put an end to her to save all these lives. I think I, I could do that. Um, okay, uh, so you yeah, would
0: stalk I, her. Yeah. You would stalk her until you found out that she was guilty, and then she would actually go on the destroy list too.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I gotta save okay. those girls, man. I can't. I'm, mm. Mm-mm, that, that's, so, oh no 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 no
0: <laughs> so who would you bury
1: um, I guess I would bury her or oh, did I misunderstand the game after I destroy yeah, her don't I don't have to bury her <laughs>
0: you, you... You've got to pick one slot for her, really. So would you stalk, bury, or destroy her? Because one no, of those I characters goes in one of those slots. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I want to stalk her too, though. Can I do both, please? Can we bend the, <laughs> the rules? I will,
0: I will bend the rules for you. So she's going in your stalk category for now. So who would you bury out of Thanos and the Joker?
1: Yeah, I guess Thanos. I would bury him. Okay. Wait, but you now I he... destroy the Joker. Yeah. I would stalk the Joker. This is my last change. My in- <laughs> last edit is in a book. I guess readers don't know how often books are edited, right? I uh-huh. mean, at least six to ten times if you really want to get all the grammar right. And uh, by professional editors, not by me. Um, okay, last edit. Final proofread. Um, I will destroy her because she is clearly, most likely, a mass, real mass murderer. Um, okay. Then I would stalk Heath Ledger, because, uh-huh. you know, he's just fascinating. Kind of, maybe my age, you know, if you we go back in time, I guess. Um, and then um, Barry Thanos. Is that, did I do it right now? Stalk, destroy, and bury?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: There we go. <laughs> we got there with an edit or two. Oh, um so if, if, if,
1: if,
0: yeah. oh go ahead go on sorry. sorry
1: oh i just want to say who, who if whoever's listening to this this is my first time ever being on a podcast or anything so i might be a lot more all out there than the other authors you, you listen to usually. And some of the stuff I might be saying is like, what is she talking about? Like, sorry, it will so, uh, maybe get better over time or not, but thank you for still being with us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They've clicked the button off now, but anyway, we're, we're good. We're, we'll keep with the rest of the audience. Um, Arthur
1: is like, in his head, he's like, my God, where's James Patterson? Where can I get, can I get James <laughs> Patterson? Or like, well, James King, what is he up to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> James Patterson is watching over the book manuscripts pouring into him from his other authors. That's where James Patterson is. Not writing that's his own true. books anymore, but anywhere. I've true. just, and I don't think James en- Patterson's coming on here anytime soon.
1: And he's not dark enough for us right now, Probably. right?
0: Probably. I don't think I've read a James Patterson book. I'm sure I'll, I'll have watched a film that's We're based on a book on. of his, but I don't think I've read one of his books.
1: He's American royalty almost in the book world. I mean, he is uh-huh. after Colleen Hoover. He is the most even financially success. I think he pulled one of the last two or three years. I think he pulled between 15 and 100 million a year. He is book royalty. Like, he is the man. If you want it done, it's Patterson, man. Patterson. He well, is. <laughs> but yeah, he's not, not dark. As... I don't think he's. Enough because my mother in law reads him, and my mother in law um, leaves the room every time I start talking. I kill killers. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Well, none of my pounds have went into his wallet yet. So may- maybe one day, maybe one day. Um, I don't think he
1: needs it. our pounds. No, I don't. I don't, I don't, right I don't think
0: he needs it. I don't think he cares. So good luck to you, James. Yeah,
1: um,
0: <laughs> what is your sort of most memorable? Either either death or method of terrorization that you've came across in fiction, like one that's really sort of stayed with you. It doesn't oh, have to be fi- death. It might, it might. Yeah, yeah, in fiction. Yeah, not in real life.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, I work with some pretty crazy stuff in real life. So I was like, hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. So in fiction, for me, what, what's like the worst thing that could happen to me, you think? or
0: Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that.
1: Um, I can't say, cause I'm doing it in my book too, as a death for a serial killer, okay. so I can't, I can't, but I can't go you... with the second
0: worst or yeah, go for it, go for I... it. Second worst.
1: So for me, and it's so ridiculous, I would never use it in a book, but if somebody wants to go ahead for me, it would be have to have so many ticks on you that they suck you to death, like suck your blood out to death, because I hate ticks. Wow! I find them on my mm-hmm. dog all the time in the summer. And just imagine someone was sending me like this this picture of a person with like a hundred ticks on their face, and it haunts me. And just imagine <laughs> like thousands of ticks on your whole body, sucking you dry.
0: Yeah, I that think would be pretty. That, that is yeah, because it pretty has
1: Oh, thing to it too, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got a hint of the vampire about it as well,
1: huh? Oh, it's just making me itchy just talking about it. You see that? <laughs> we have bad ticks here. Like people are thinking, what is this woman talking about ticks? I-, I live in the northeast of the United States. Everybody who lives here knows exactly what I'm talking about. They're like, yep, she is speaking the truth. Everybody who's living in like K or um, UK or somewhere. Portugal, they're like, what is she talking about? No, it's bad here. In in May, I probably find I have a, like a collection, I call it the tick jaw, and my husband hates it. It's so gross, but I'm collecting dead ticks. And in a week, mm. I'm getting about, well, they're still alive before I drop in the alcohol and then they die. But yeah, probably like 30 or so in May. It's only in May and some parts of June, and then they're gone all summer. But my dog brings them in, and oh, oh. I
0: hate him. Yeah, Death or Torture by ticks. That's, that's an interesting one. I've not, I've not heard of that before.
1: Never heard of it like that before. I'm sorry,
0: no. Martin. No, no, oh. not at all. That's what we're here for. So another, another random question. If, if you were to be some sort of evil character, like a class of evil character, like serial killer or um, vampire or, or anything at all, what would you be? With your particular personality traits, what do you think you're best suited to?
1: Krampus. Have you ever heard of Krampus? Krampus? Yeah, 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 yeah. And for those folks who've never heard of him, he's this uh, German bad guy around Christmas. So if you're a good kid, and I was actually raised with that. So in kindergarten, around Christmas time, you know, they actually did the play. The adults dressed up as... One was Krampus and one was... um, Chris Kin, we call it there. Santa, I guess. And if you were... We all were on the good list, of course. But I was always scared I was on the bad list. But... um, So if you're on the good kids list, uh, you get the toys that are on the bad kids list. You you get punished. And not like killed or something. But I think spanked with this long wooden thing that looks like... Almost like a hand curled out of some... I don't know, branch or something. Like some witch's walking stick or something. Yeah, I, I I would love to be Krampus. And I think that's because as a mother these days, and every parent will understand this, you have to be so perfect all the time. You always have to be one step away from enlightenment every day raising a child. That's the expectation these days. <laughs> you can uh-huh. never raise your voice. You're not even supposed to say no anymore because that's damaging the children. So you have all these books that tell you, how to be the perfect Gandhi Mother Teresa parent. And it's just this weight on our shoulder, Arton. I don't know if you're a dad, but if you ever oh, will no. be one, you will feel it. And it's heavy. And if you have to be the perfect parent all year long, and you on the playground you see that one kid throwing rocks at the other kids, and your kid gets hit with a rock in the head, and then the kid doesn't even have to apologize anymore because... You know, the mom has to now have to have a one-hour psychological conversation as to why they felt the way they did, which is all good. I mean, let's see if it's working. We'll know in 30 years. But I would like to be Krampus just one time a year. And I, I, I get to tell those kids, no, don't throw them wild without being bad, you know. Put that stick down. No, you're awesome. not getting a present. <laughs>
0: It's, it's nearly your time of year. You're you you're up for it
1: soon. It almost sounds like I'm becoming the character, doesn't it? <laughs> like, live we'll, on the show. We'll, I'm yeah, we're we'll witnessing a
0: transformation before our very no, eyes.
1: Like, you're even gonna wearing go red. red. Really, like, turn into him right now. You're gonna be famous, Arden. <laughs> no, I, I would be the Krampus, because one time a year as a parent, I just want to go back to the good old days when I was raised, and my mom, she never laid a hand on us, but there always was the possibility if I did something really bad, and she would use the, stop that right now thing, the voice I knew, ooh it could go any way from here and I stopped (laughs) and she was like the best sweetest, kindest mom ever she never Mm -hmm. raised a hand I mean, she would never, but It was stricter back then. I don't know. I mean, do you remember your childhood with your parents? Were they strict or were they not strict? Or how how was your upbringing?
0: Stricter than parents now. You know, I think there were more more means of discipline at their disposal. And there was less judgment from everybody around about using those means. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I... um, Yeah, yeah, I... I Like you said, it'll be interesting to see in 30 years what the result of the sort of parenting trends at the moment are.
1: Yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) We have our opinions
0: about where they might go, but
1: we We'll see where it goes. I mean, uh, no judgment, but we'll see where it goes. I I got a little stricter with my son, though. I I have a sticker chart now. You're not supposed to have them anymore. But that sticker Uh chart saved my life. I almost want to write a book about it for every parent out there who has a very headstrong child that just does not listen to the, let's talk about you. When I started to get into that mode and my daughter is completely different, but my son, when you start, when he does something and you know he's not supposed to do it, like when he's running around with a stick and, you know, and then he trips and he has, and you're like, don't remember this day. And he's not, he didn't listen. I was, you know, what are you supposed to do? You're not, you know you're not supposed to yell anymore you're not supposed to really say no you're supposed to have this conversation like tell me how you feel and what made you do that like not listening to mommy and what what could i've done better what could you have done and then you go like in this 30 minute i i don't even know but i got stricter now i did it artem i did it i got a sticker chart i went back in time to the bad parenting methods and i have that uh-huh. sticker chart on my bridge and it's, it's a miracle. It changed our life as a family. I'm serious. This kid is listening. As he wasn't before and he is now because he wants those stickers so bad. So I guess uh-huh. it depends on the kid. And he's always been a good kid if he ever listens to this. Oh, my God. Like he's the sweetest boy. He has so much love for animals and for us. And so we did that right. For his friends, he never hurts other kids. He was never that kind of kid. But you know, when he's a he's a boy, and would you see him running around like crazy with that energy of a four year old, a three year old? Those were the hardest. That was the hardest year with him, the three. And he had a stick, and he was like with himself playing, you know, Star Wars or Ninja Turtle because he watched that on kids YouTube way too early. Uh I guess we're that kind of family. He did watch TV, so there we go. We're that family too. But um. So he's running out of this thing and then stop and he just doesn't stop. So yeah, I'm doing a sticker chart and I want to be Krampus. So once a year I can go back to how I was raised and just be like, no, you know.
0: <sighs> uh, I feel like there's a lot of um, repressed uh, want for discipline.
1: Yeah. I, people probably start feeling sorry for me now good if you feel sorry for me my book is called I'm just joking But um, no. <laughs> no I mean uh, yeah it's tough being a parent it's really tough you this pressure art and this pressure from society everybody's watching you and everybody is telling you that you have to be one step away from enlightenment like literally the buddha was the only person i think ever and he was considered a person who reached enlightenment and as a parent you have to be one step away from it that's how good you have to be of a parent (laughs) did buddha have kids i don't think he did i think unlike other religions buddha considered himself a human being not a god a and the, the yeah. enlightenment but um now there we all have to do as well as parents you just all these books and this shaming and i mean it's almost kind of crushing it's almost depressing because you just constantly feel like you're doing something wrong you just constantly feel like you're failing on every level and the teacher's always there to remind you you know as and at some point, kids are just kids. That's what I'm now saying. People, if they're coming with their mile long of, They're just like, you know, kids are also just kids. Just because a kid is running around in circles and is not listening right away, that doesn't mean there's psychologically something wrong with them. It's just a kid. You know what? When, when I was a kid, I was just a kid. I did terrible things. I ate like worms and played with mud and, you know, I broke a window and that doesn't make me a, a crazy kid or a psychopath. I was just a kid, you know, it's uh society's so harsh these days, not only on parents, On, but yeah, if you're a parent, I'm I not... hope you enjoy it. And maybe you should be Krampus too. Come join me. We're going to do the Krampus gang. And then we're going to get back at all these kids on the playground, throwing rocks and nobody ever tells them. No.
0: <laughs> I think, um, I think me being an uncle is enough. And, uh, yeah, I find it hilarious that you get away from the crushing pressure of parenting by writing about serial killers doing awful stuff. It's, it's fantastic.
1: That um, might be, yeah. You, you know, I never thought about it this way, but I actually wrote this book while nursing my daughter. I had my second right. kid, and I was up with her all night because she woke up every hour, hour and a half, and she was a difficult pregnancy because I had COVID when I got pregnant and she stopped growing and it was really scary. And then she was a special pregnancy and it it was pretty, it was pretty hard. And then she was born and she was normal. Thank God she was always on the smaller side and teenier, tinier side. But um, so when she was hungry, I fed her. It didn't matter if it was every 30 minutes that she wanted to, or every hour, every two. So I was up with her all night. I actually, I lived in the, in the living room where the TV is. That's why I lived. I had a mattress on the floor. I had like chips around, I had the the laptop and I was always in between writing I Kill Killers with her actually nursing. <laughs> I, I typed with one hand too, because I had to hold her. And then when she was sleeping, sometimes I had enough of writing and I would just watch Peaky Blinders or some shows that I haven't, and I watched a whole six seasons, is it? Or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, five or six, yeah. I or six, and I watched all the dark stuff that I could not because she's she didn't really. I mean, he would go back to it, it, yeah, no, she she. I don't think she has any trauma from it. I think she was okay. Me writing, I, I don't, a, a I don't, imagine I don't so she, Yeah, I don't think she sensed the bad energy because I actually enjoyed writing it. I, I really, it felt so good to just be free this one time. You know, I felt free. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a
0: sort of integration of the of the two sides of us. Huh? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you what know, about you? Experiencing
0: you... something so light.
1: Yeah, you write some dark stuff too, Artin. What about you when you write dark stuff? Um, do you ever like stop and you're like, "What did I just write there?" Or do you like, "Oh yeah, that's All great. the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All the time, I'm looking at what I've written. I'm like, uh, I don't know that this is such a good idea, but um, no, there's something it. that How keeps propelling me
1: what was that one book i uh, your most recent one come on i wrote the, the title well what was the cancer man I, I i didn't make it all the way through and i don't want to give spoilers what what what's the cancer man's story because you, you have three so, or four out i think right
0: yeah i've got i've got four books out in a different genre and I've got two out at the moment. One, yeah, they're related books. One's a companion novella. The Cancer Man is about a journalist who finds out about a sort of psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, life coach sort of person who claims to be able to cure cancer just through talking to people. Um, Yeah. yeah. there, there 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 are people in the world making claims like this. Um, So, yeah, it comes from a pretty bleak real place. Uh, Yeah, I don't even know that I'm ready to speak about where all of that came from. But, uh, yeah, I I constantly grapple with what I should and shouldn't be writing. Um, But I guess I always... As long as you're keeping the reader's journey at the heart of it like as long as you are trying to entertain people and interest people then i think the whatever you're putting out is sort of fine in those regards but i I don't know how personal the themes and topics are that you write about to yourself um some you know some stories aren't i've got a i've got a christmas thriller coming out um super superficially It's got nothing to do with me, but obviously it pulls from themes inside my head, from within my life. But you would never, on the surface of it, know Uh, The Cancer Man is much, much closer to me, uh, superficially. Um, And yeah, with those ones that are more superficially close, I think that there's always going to be the questions that rise about what you should and shouldn't be writing. Or for, for me, at least. Maybe I'm a, I'm a very neurotic writer, but... Just before we get back to the episode, I didn't think there was a better time to let you know a little bit more about The Cancer Man. If you like the works of Darren Brown, if you're into films like Nightmare Alley, Trance, Magnolia, Red Lights, and The Manchurian Candidate, uh, if you're interested in The Subconscious, Hypnosis, Suggestion, um, Charlatans, Con Man, etc., I really think you'll enjoy the book. You can find it through my website, artonbelletti.com, where you'll also be able to pick up its companion novella, or you can buy it at amazon.com and all the other Amazon stores. Okay, let's get back to the show. I'm a a very neurotic writer.
1: No, I think you're right on. That's what, you know, remember, we just, uh, in the beginning, we talked about that Hitler thing that I wrote about, and I knew the vast majority completely, actually, they, there's no doubt about what it is. But then, you know, there's there's going to be this one or two person who, like, misunderstanding. it's also very, you know, um, controversial to even mention him. But then again, yeah. you know, it it's close to my heart because my husband is Jewish and we celebrate Hanukkah and we celebrate Christmas. We do both. And my kids went to the, the Jewish temple and we had these Nazi idiots do threats and spray the swastika on there. And then... We, I mean, this is a reality we live in, and then we have this. This, I think, it's called the White Brotherhood, was like um, dispensing these uh, these pamphlets into Jewish families' front yards, and it says terrible things. And wow. so we were actually kind of living in, in, in that reality. So, I guess you know, um, it. So it's kind of this subject is kind of, and then me being from Germany originally, so this is a subject that's kind of really with me as to trying to understand. Whoa! Like what? And then the psychotherapist to me is kind of psychoanalyzing a mass murderer like him in some on some professional level, or trying to. I think I was just. But as you said, sometimes you write something and you are like, "Who is this? A good idea to write about?" But then, Arjun, we we have to be able to express who we are. Otherwise, this is like a this is like a dictator country. If we can't write about what we want to anymore so we have to be afraid, then Then we're not free anymore. Then our freedom has been taken and we're not writing anything wrong. We're not like pro for it. Obviously your book, The Cancer Man, is not about teaching people how to do that to help them rip other people off. It's like exploring it, informing. And so I, I do think that's just my opinion. And please don't feel like o- overstep a boundary, but I think we should stick with it, Arten, because... Our readers, they they want that. They're seeking us out for that. They want to be informed. They they they're just th- those kind of people, and we gotta kind of stick loyal and true to them, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I agree. It's just not an easy thing to do, right? When you, I don't know. For me, when I get an idea like that, that I'm scared of, that's probably yeah, something no. that I should write about yeah and it's very it's very difficult once you've got that feeling then not to pursue it because you feel like a coward if you don't so yeah i don't don't think there's really any turning back once you've sort of set your mind on it
1: nope that's that's absolutely same with what we talked about with with the 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 thing about hitler other psychopaths and how are they able of completely separating a love for an animal and then killing millions of people like how how is this working? Like, how can this be explored? I mean, I, that's what we, when we talked about it earlier, I, I do feel like if I would just be like, in this one group who says, don't ever go down this route and state the truth because these people are so bad and they are. But then on the other hand, it's like, I feel like kind of a coward, especially as someone who is married to to a, a Jewish individual who is actually, and I'm not putting myself out there saying, I experienced so much um racism or i'm a big target i mean obviously um i'm not a person of color who's been struggling their whole lives and you know who have the right to be on a stage or somewhere with an audience and talk about their pain and suffering from what they've been through that's obviously not me so i'm not trying to say like i walk in their shoes but i I am experiencing some of that anti-semitism at times Mm -hmm. not to where i would think it's really on par with what other people going through what the what Jewish nationals are going through or any national is going through. Um, but I do, it, it's close to my heart. And I felt like if I would stop now, I would feel a little bit like a coward. If I would be like, oh, don't, don't do it. Then it's like, you know, somebody kind of has to. And it's not like you and I are, again, endorsing any of these crazy people who really, oh my God. We're monsters in some ways. It's just like we, we're we're exploring. We're we're trying to to talk, trying to inform and educate, and um, just bring some topics that are difficult to talk about. We're trying to bring them in the open and and have some conversations. Um, that's at least that's at least how I, I feel about it.
0: Yeah, especially in a non-preachy way through fiction, you know, raising ideas and questions rather than telling people what to think. I uh. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in telling anybody what to think about anything. Um,
1: yeah, no, yeah. you, you're absolutely right. You no, I. I, I a hundred percent agree. And there's just so much, there's just so much going on in the world right now that I, my mother-in-law, she's kind of, she doesn't want anything, read anything dark or bad or anything ever. She, cause there's mm-hmm. so much bad going on in the world. She, when we've just even mentioned, I she leaves the room not to be rude or she's a really sweet lady. Um, but she just, She just doesn't want to hear it because it's of she's just a sweet kind of person. And she's really struggling with what's going on in the world. And Mm I completely understand that. But on the other hand, I also feel like we can't be blind to it. Because, again, let's go back to what we talked about earlier is that you kind of have to understand evil to beat evil. If you don't understand evil, then evil will always be a step or two ahead of you. So if you want to beat evil, you got to understand evil. Um sometimes I guess you don't. It can just be a fist fight or gunfight or whatever and you get lucky. But I, I, I do believe that an understanding to anything is important in a process of evolving. Um yeah, so uh Okay. So I I
0: I I always do this because I'm still new to this podcasting game. I always open up the podcast and I never really frame it properly. You know, uh this is I mean, we, we've had the sort of conversation that I would like to have, but my thesis behind starting this was uh, the, the topic that I wanted to explore was, is there, in a, in a sort of humorous way, is there something wrong with us for being so fascinated in this stuff, right? So my final question of the podcast, my final proper question of the podcast is I asked my guests, like, what, what the fuck's wrong with you in one sentence? So... As a, as a psychotherapist, as a, a writer of extremely dark fiction, do you have an answer for that?
1: I guess I'm just a normal human being. That's what's wrong with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, Fair I enough. every normal human being um, has some sort of struggle or some sort of quirky something. Why am I fascinated with it? because i'm a normal human being who has a very quirky and weird fascination with the dark which is based on i want to understand it and i kind of want to solve it so i can fight it and beat it and that's just that's just me <laughs> I
0: like what about the, you I like the answer.
1: what the fuck oh, is Jesus. wrong with you, Arthur? that's ah, the question i don't know what where- Sorry, if that, uh, but that's the question, right? Is what the fuck is wrong with us, you and me, and what about you, I'm the one
0: asking the questions. We've oh, got okay. uh, it'll take a full podcast to go down that line.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure that that will that will reveal itself slowly, episode by episode, and through my fiction. But um, no, I appreciate your. I appreciate the thought put into your answer. Um,
1: what next for you? Ooh, um Well, of course, I have to continue the I Kill Killers series. Um, mm-hmm. I, the fans deserve it. And uh although a lot of things went wrong with the, the launch itself, I decided to launch my book on Amazon Prime Day. <laughs> Most genius right. thing ever. If you are an author and you're listening, just don't do it. I did it for us. So now we have the study. It's closed. It's a bad idea. And I Did, did you up.
0: know? Did you know? Or was it, uh, was it an accident? Did you know? It was an
1: accident. It was a accident, complete yeah. accident. And I, I kind of blame my foggy state of mind that I've lived in ever since I had my daughter with two small kids at home. And I don't have family close by. My family is all in Germany. My husband's family is completely on the other side on the cut and the US is huge. So they're in Arizona and Washington. And so I don't really have a close, close helper. So I'm kind of in this always constant foggy state. Um but uh yeah no um yeah I kinda blame myself for that. Um but yeah that's why I published probably on Prime Day, October 10, 10. Don't ever do it if you're an author it was but then when I found out two or three weeks, oh my God, it was so sad. I found out and I knew this is bad. Then I tried to push it back. I, I I publish with my distributor Ingram. Not mine, but they, you know, I I that's why I dis- distribute my books to bookstores, not Amazon. They're different. And they were like, oh, it's too late. We we can't push it back. And then I thought of all the small bookstores that had not that many, but that had purchased my copy and were ready 1010. There's no way to me to find out who that was to let them know it's actually not happening on 1010 anymore. And then I Mm -hmm. felt like if I would just push it back and kind of leave them behind, that would be kind of a shitty thing to do because they gave me a chance as a completely unknown author to put me on the shelves with the big guns because these small bookshows, they really don't have a lot of room for books. If they put my book in their bookstore, that means they're giving me a chance. And I didn't want to – it felt like a betrayal if I would have pushed it back for Amazon and Barnes & Noble and then leave them kind of – So I was like, okay, my mistake. I gotta write it out, and it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. I published ten ten. I did it. Amazon Prime Day. My book was frozen for three days, and the sales rank. (laughs) It was never put in with any keywords, which means like if someone would have gone and be like, oh, um, dark thriller or serial killer thriller or most bought because it was actually I had no one's finding it. Yes, and this was the beautiful thing that I had this little army of people who loved the book, and they came out. they were there ten ten, and some are still joining. They couldn't join ten ten they're doing it now. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. I had them ready, and they were there ten ten and I was just frozen. Technically, the book would have done amazing on Amazon on ten ten, but my book was just frozen for days, and I called Amazon and they're like, "Oh, we don't know our own algorithm." <laughs> that's like we don't yeah. we can't help this is just they're like kind of like who would publish that on 1010 anyways as a small self-published author they were super nice but i was like yeah i did dad and yeah it was uh it was definitely just don't do it don't ever arton don't ever do that
0: <laughs> so you've got you've got the I, I know i've run into similar things myself um yeah, so the the next book, you've got another one in the series. Yeah?
1: Yes. So that is coming out and it will not be on ten ten. Nothing will ever be on ten ten. I have like trauma from it, I think. But um so no, I'm writing that because the it was absolutely incredible the support I had from the I Threw Thrillers I I threw, I kill killers community. The people who read the book
0: I threw thrillers.
1: Is that um, the name of the it, sequel? No, but that's a good idea. <laughs> like, no thrillers. That's uh-huh. my title on everybody. Don't steal that. Um no, but uh yeah, so the second book um I'm writing it. I'm the story itself is done and I'm whenever I have the time with two kids, I'm I'm on it. I I I'm probably going to be able to pu- publish it in spring. And so that's uh if any authors are listening, so that's kind of my strategy is so the first book except for the launch week i i don't throw my my big guns and ad budgets and advertisement into it i wait until book 2 and 3 because that's how smaller authors um like Arthur and i and case author authors listening or people are curious that's how kind of we survive um or what I could not saying for everybody but as with book 2 and 3 if it's a serious that's usually how um i would uh survive as a small author from profits from those books so i'm waiting like a black widow for book two and three to drop to have my day my 10 10 will be um will be in fall uh, fall or spring is when we're gonna um come out with that and it will all be gone and forgotten and again i mean the community that came out for me i'm just so i, I have a small facebook group did you know that and i'm not saying this now to tell people to come join us, no, but no. it's like a,
0: Please do. Now is the time. So I was just going to ask you, where can people find your stuff? So please do.
1: No, it's just because I have this small Facebook group and people in this group actually really love the book. And I'm just so blown away by them. And I love every single one of them. And we talk and we chat and I'm just so honored. And I actually cried on launch day, happy tears. Because when I, this thing with Amazon happened, and then another bad thing with Goodreads happened. I'm not even going to go into that, but then this beautiful thing happened of all these people supporting me and they're waiting for book two. They're really, really waiting for, book. I would never just no. I'm going all the way with the series. So that's what I'm working on right now. And it's going to get just like book two. It's it's not going to be your usual sweet romancy thriller with a little murder that needs to be solved. It's, it's going to be all the way Leah, I kill killers and agent, um, Richter, it's gonna go all the way, guys. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on that right now, and then have another idea for something else down the road. Um, so yeah, and um, uh, it's 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 going overall. It's going really well. I cannot complain. I mean, I've been this book has been perceived really well. My book, and I'm just I'm I'm really grateful. I'm not just saying that, but I read every single review because I'm a small author. I I can. I have the time for that, and it's really really touching. And I just, yeah, somebody is listening who read my book or somebody's listening who might want to, and just thank you so much. And it really means so much to me. So thank you for joining this crazy journey of a woman killing serial killers. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I guess. What,
0: where, where can people find your stuff?
1: Oh, Amazon. And if you live in the U S try a small bookstore. Um, I mean, of course, we have to do Amazon because that's 70 or 80% of the sales these days. Uh, but small bookstores, I actually had support from small bookstores coming out on 1010. And um, one emailed me, actually. They said, wow, the, we put your book on the shelf. And within hours, on the day of 1010, it starts selling. Like, the book, they had it ready. And that meant so much to me. And then it kind of was like, I'm glad I, I stuck with the plan, even if I might have missed out on what it could have been on 1010. but." Um, so, yeah, no, if you check out your small bookstore first, if if it's not too inconvenient. I understand if your parents or if you have your lives and your work and whatever college student, it's not sometimes time-wise, it's a little harder. But uh, if you pass one, why don't you just pop in and, um, you know, ask about I Kill Killers. And if they don't have it, they might start carrying it. But give them – they might have it. Uh, actually, is that okay if I name one bookstore that I'm really grateful for? Go for it. Go for it. Oh, it's, um, Pan Yan bookstore in, um, Tiffin, Ohio. And that's actually, um, that's the bookstore I just talked about who actually within hours started selling the book, I kill, kill us. And they emailed me and they're like, you know, we really love the book. And, um, they wanted me to come out to do an event. And unfortunately it's, um, as I said, it's in Ohio. So right now I, I'm planning to go there. At some point, I will go there. i am going to bring the whole family because it's always a family trip. Um, But uh, at some point, I really want to go because I'm just so touched that they would actually reach out to me and tell me that the book is doing good with them and that they really love the book. So yeah, if you live in Ohio, uh, in Tiffin, I think. Tiffin, yeah, I wrote it down actually because I... um, Tiffin, if you live in Tiffin, please go to that bookstore. Please support them. They are supporting... It's a small business supporting a small business. Me, a small business mm-hmm. mom author. So please support them.
0: <sighs> Very good, and I'm sure you're on social media. People can find St. Ashman fairly easily. Yeah.
1: Yeah, TikTok. Then, if you're into dark thrillers, I'm kind of starting a little bit of a small revolution. Please, Arten, please join me because I do think that we need a dark thriller subcategory. I think Amazon subcategories are completely outdated. We have like 20 different subcategories separating FBI from police, from detective, from this and that. Can we just have one dark thriller category, please? Because people like me and maybe like you too, but definitely my readers, we spend a lot of time searching for dark thrillers because we like darkness that is not entirely horror or straight out only gore. And it takes a while to find books like that because there is no category for it right now. And then you have to get followed hot trails of recommendations. And, but if we could have a category, please, that's dark thrillers, please. Um, that would be amazing. And then we put put books like the girl with the dragon, we put her in there. And then we put, I could kill us. We put your books in there, Arton, And then uh, we just put dark stuff in there. That would be great. I mean, Yeah, uh, that would be my dream.
0: Okay. Well, if Amazon are listening, feel free to recategorize the... (laughs) Yeah, they've they've just done all the categories and uh, even that's caused problems in itself. But anyway, thank you for joining me. It's been lovely chatting. Um, Thank you to everyone at home who's listened. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast so that I can keep getting fascinating people to come and join me. And, uh, yeah, I will catch everybody soon. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you so much, Artin.